Welcome to the Dear Rochester Retire Well Podcast with David Pulsini from Six Point Financial Partners. In this podcast, find your path towards a brighter financial future with David as your guide as he helps individuals, educators, and healthcare professionals explore ways they can build wealth while minimizing risk using a multifaceted, comprehensive approach to personal finance. Are you ready to take the first step towards a brighter financial tomorrow? Let's get started. All right, folks, we are back today with Marshall Scheid, one of the partners at Six Point Financial Partners. And today, I think we've got a really good one for you. We've had a number of folks recently asking us about different financial advisors, or we'll run into people that say, hey, I've had two advisors forever, or three advisors, or four advisors, or whatever it is. What I hear when I hear something like that is that just means that you don't have one advisor. And what I mean by that is if you had one great advisor, you wouldn't need four, two, three, four, five advisors. So we're going to give you some reasons today on why we should not have more than one advisor. And then maybe a quick bonus on maybe a reason that you it may make sense to have more than one advisor. I can only think of one reason for that, Marshall. But Marshall, how are you doing today? Yeah. I'm doing awesome. I'm doing awesome. I've been looking forward to this episode because I don't know why, but as of late, this has come up a lot for me. So yeah. this will be a good resource for I think a lot of people. How much can you take out of your current investments and never run out of money? When is the absolute best time to take Social Security? Are you 100% confident in your investment strategy? Are you paying too much in taxes? Why? If something were to happen to you today, what would they find? If you are doubting any of this and would like a second opinion or to review these items, along with many more, feel free to reach out to us. You can visit us at www.sixpointsfp.com or email us at info at sixpointfp.com. Back to the show. Yeah. And we'll send it out to those folks. I want to go through it in a format where we're going to go through the six points of financial planning because that's what we do. And as a reminder for probably the 48th time, if you've listened to 48 episodes, we're going to go through why it does not make sense to have more than one advisor for your investment planning. Number one, number two, your retirement income. Number three, risk management. Number four, tax planning. Number five, estate planning. And number six, custom goal planning. In each category, I could tell the folks why it makes no sense to have more than one advisor. I'll start off, Marshall, with investments. I'm just going to steal it from you and then you take retirement income. So the first one that I've seen over the years is the coordination of the allocation. And what do I mean by that? I mean, when we meet with somebody, we want to determine as advisors basically what their pie chart should look like, right? What mix of investments should we have? So let's say somebody's moderate and they're a 50-50 investor and they have more than one advisor. How do we know which advisor is doing what at any given time? Maybe one advisor is going really aggressive at some point, one's very conservative, and basically things are not coordinated which just takes us out of alignment with the plan. And typically, again, and the listeners know this, when we're doing a plan, we're trying to target a certain rate of return based on what those people need, based on their goals. And if you have more than one advisor running the investment models, it's really, really hard to coordinate that. I'll give you an example of one pitfall. I think this is interesting, by the way. For the folks that haven't heard of this, it's called a wash sale. So if you have money that is in an after-tax account, and I've had this happen before, Marshall, or I've seen it happen. It wasn't with one of my clients. But what the wash sale is, is it basically is an IRS rule that says you cannot sell a stock at a loss 
and then buy a, buy that stock back or one that is very, very similar to that stock within 30 days. So what if one advisor sold, for example, Amazon stock, and then advisor number two goes in and buys Amazon stock, and you think that you have this loss at the end of the year that is going to be disallowed by the IRS? That would not happen if you had one advisor, but with two advisors, it could certainly happen. Um, a couple other quick points on the investment planning, and then we'll move on. Breakpoints on cost. Okay, so when you're working with an advisor, there are a few different ways you could pay them. If you were paying an advisor hourly and you have two advisors, that just means you're paying twice the cost, right? Or the fee base or flat fee, we'll call it. So if you're paying an advisor $15,000 a year to do your plan, what if you had two advisors? Now you're paying each one $15,000. Or a third way might be breakpoints or AUM costs, right? So typically the more money that you have with an advisor, the less the cost is to you because there are things called breakpoints. So if you have two advisors or more, you're probably not reaching those breakpoints, right? Not to mention the last thing I'll say, who wants multiple logins to log into different investment accounts? I know I don't. I have enough logins and passwords that I never remember. And then multiple statements. So you're going to get more statements, more emails. You can eliminate that by not having more than one financial advisor. And I'll stop there on the investments, Marshall. I could go on that one all day. So if you could get into retirement income a little bit. Yeah, no, seriously, please stop there because just <laughs> listening to that is just like is that increases my anxiety. Yeah. It's just confusing. But I mean, it doesn't stop there because when you do start taking money from these accounts, because that's the point of this whole thing, each advisor might have a different theory or way to do that. Meaning like which accounts are we pulling from first or which one are we doing now, which neither one might be a wrong strategy, but they're different. So if you're doing two different strategies with two different advisors, that will create a problem. It's not really a matter of if it's going to create a problem, it's when, because when you're doing that and you're deciding which accounts to pull from, there's all sorts of implications because of that. If one advisor thinks we're in a low tax environment, they might say, Hey, Let's pull money from a Roth account, for example, where you've already paid the tax. So we're not, we're not, or, or I said that backwards, but if they're, if you're in a low tax environment, they say, Hey, let's pull this from your traditional account, pay the tax now, because we anticipate being in a higher tax bracket later where it might make sense to do the Roth. And then the other advisor might totally have the opposite theory or process there, but it's just a challenge of who's coordinating all of these things. When are we taking social security? Which pension option are we taking? A lot of our clients have pensions. Again, I've seen it so many different times where I might recommend something and then someone else might say, oh, actually my brother's advisor told me I should be absolutely taking the full option where, you know, it just might not make any sense. You know what I'm saying? So just getting all these different opinions from all these different people is good for certain things. For financial planning, it usually probably isn't. Hey, Marshall, I don't want to interrupt, but I have to say, because you said the brother, maybe it's not even another advisor you're talking to. Maybe it's just getting advice from like your neighbor or your friend or your old coworker or your brother <laughs> right. who's not in our business, who's trying to tell you what to do. It's Whenever their pseudo advisor. advisor. Yeah. The advisor should know if you're working with a financial advisor, they should know exactly what you need and why you need it. And I would just say, folks, trust that person, not the neighbor, the coworker, or the brother. Yeah. So, sorry yeah. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. And it's one of those things. It's like, exactly. It's like when you're making those decisions, Obviously, you want an advisor you trust, but you want to be able to understand why they're making these recommendations. And it's just so important. And I think it's just more, way more efficient, obviously, when you have one voice that you're listening to, as long as you trust them, you know? Yeah. And obviously, folks, the list for the listeners, we have probably 20 episodes on retirement income planning, and you could go back and listen to those and just say, hey, could you imagine having two different people giving different advice? It's just probably too much. And a lot of it's going to overlap. If the advisors are great, you're probably going to get the same advice. 
who wants to deal with that twice? Anyway, let's uh, right. we'll jump into risk management. Point number three, right? So when I talk about risk management, I'm talking about all sorts of risks. So it could be life insurance, disability, long-term care. It could be your property and casualty insurance, your homeowners and your umbrella policies. And what I've seen on this throughout my years is folks having different types of life insurance based on the different advisors they've worked with. And what type of insurance do you need and who do you get it from? So if one advisor says, hey, we think you need $2 million of life insurance, and another one says you might need $1 million of life insurance, which one are you listening to? Why are you listening to that one? And then who do you buy it from, right? You have to place the business through somewhere. Also, again, going back to the break point, if you, let's say you settled on the $1 million. I would get that all from one place because it's typically less expensive to get it all from one place. I have seen it where people have purchase life insurance from two different advisors and really for no reason. There's, there was no reason built in. I guess there could be a reason, but there wasn't in this case. So the risk management piece. And then what the, the other thing I run into is long-term care. So you're talking to two different financial advisors about long-term care and no one is coordinating the cost where we are. Is it an in-state partnership plan? Is it out-of-state stuff? Where are we going to be? It's just a lot to go through with two different people. You can see why, again, even on risk management, I'll give life insurance as the easy example. Why are we dealing with two different advisors? Again, listen to the one that you trust and then move forward with that person. So for the sake of this going all day long with us just <laughs> beating on the listener, Marshall, why don't you... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, we'll go to the next one. It panic. is funny. I, I sit and listen to you. And I just get I get nervous, but <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is. A couple. That's it the just point of our it, podcast, Marshall. It's really just to make everybody exactly. nervous. It's raising confusion. A quick interruption. Six Point Financial Partners is taking on new clients. If you would like to take the next step in planning your future with Dave or the Six Point team, please visit them at www.sixpointfp.com to schedule a time or reach out via LinkedIn, Facebook, or simply find us on the internet by searching Six Point Financial Partners. Okay, back to the show. So with tax planning, we got we have next. Yep, for the tax planning. So this almost goes off of my last point there. Who is giving you advice on these things? Because it's just, again, it's like, Someone might have a different opinion. It might not be the wrong thing, but it's just, it needs to be consistent among your entire plan top to bottom. And also too, I mean, this is something that isn't quite as obvious, but when you're talking about doing things like Roth conversions, for example, or raising Roth money, as in which accounts are we contributing to? I can't tell you how many times we've had clients come in. They've been working with somebody for a little while and they come in and we put a quick little plan together, just an intake basically, but it spits out that there's just absolutely no, like absolutely no allocations towards Roth after tax money. So it's like, what have you been doing this whole time? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If, if we're not, if we're not thinking about that, it's like, yes. Okay. You're minimizing taxes now, but you also have to be thinking about that in the future. And another issue too, is when you're doing these things, I always try to eliminate as many conflicts of interest as possible, which we all know that is totally impossible to eliminate all conflicts of interest. But if you've got an advisor over here who maybe I'm giving advice and I'm not holding any of the assets and someone else's, and they're getting, they're generating a fee off of that, I might need them to do a Roth conversion, which will lower their AUM fee on an account because it will take some money out of one. That person might be apt to not make that recommendation because they're quite literally giving themselves a pay cut if that's how they're getting paid based on assets. So if the people are listening and they're like driving or working out right now, they're like, what the heck did Marshall just say? Basically what Marshall's <laughs> saying is, 
hey, advisor number two, give me some of your money because it makes sense to do this. And that other advisor doesn't want to give up that money. And I've had that, Marshall, not to interrupt again, where I have had, it's actually been the other way around. And this is a long time ago, but I've had the IRA and another advisor had the Roth. Mm -hmm. And I was recommending a Roth conversion. So it was actually like, hey, take your money from me and give it to that other person. And here's why. And I'm not picking on that other advisor, but they had no idea what was going on or why or what we were doing. Yeah. It was a Roth. It's impossible. Yeah. It's it's impossible to coordinate. Yep. So the coordination. Sorry, go ahead. (laughs) No, that's exactly it. I mean, that's the thing. It's like these types of things are super delicate. And there is a lot of work that goes into it. And also, too, ideally, you know, us as their financial advisors working with their accountant. Because those, I like when those are two different people, <laughs> but ideally I'm working with the accountant, working through this, doing a tax projection, making it really nice and sound so that nobody's surprised so that their accountant knows what's coming at the end of the year when they get their taxes. And just everything is a lot smoother at that point. That's one thing to an accountant. Yes, it's really great to coordinate with your advisor. I doubt the accountant would love coordinating with two or three or four different advisors for the same client. That might be very irritating to them. <laughs> yeah, it, it would be. Let me give you my favorite real quick. And this is another real example. And again, the other advisors don't have to actually be other advisors. It could be the folks just holding on to an account that is not with an advisor at all, or they're doing it mm-hmm. themselves, or it's at an old company or something like that. What I have seen is as far as requ- required minimum distributions, and we can put this down as part of tax planning because an RMD is when you have to take your money at 72, right? I think our listeners know that. So if you have multiple advisors, more than one, or multiple accounts that are pre-tax and you have to take it at 72, how are you calculating that? You better be able to prove to the IRS that you did this properly amongst several advisors and several accounts. You are going to owe a huge penalty. And again, if you're supposed to take $100,000 out, which would be a very large RMD. This is for the scare factor. You would owe $50,000 in penalties. That's just crazy. So it's so much easier if you have one advisor, the accounts are under one roof and it's managed the right way, going back to the investments and the right allocation for RMD purposes. I can't explain that. And again, last one, we've said this so many times, but I want to keep warning people on this. If you have a 401k that's sitting there and an IRA, you have to take the RMD from each. You cannot take it from one. If you take it from one, you are going to get crushed in a penalty on the other one. Most people do not know that. So again, having more than one advisor trying to coordinate this, Marshall already said it, it's nearly impossible. So I think that covers our tax planning part of it. Yeah. Right? So, okay. Hit us with right. some estate planning. <laughs> right, right into estate planning. I like it. So Folks know this. Everybody out there at this point should have a will, healthcare proxy, powers of attorney, trust, whatever you need set up. When I say that, I know that not everybody has done it and we just keep bringing it up and keep bringing it up. But once it is done, the attorney that you're meeting with, or even if you're doing it yourself online, which I typically don't recommend, but if you are to try to save some money, if you're doing it online or with an attorney, your beneficiaries need to be coordinated with what you want. Again, your accounts typically override the will. So if you put stuff in your new will that you want your two children to get it, but your ex-spouse is the beneficiary on your pension, guess what? The ex-spouse wins. Something happens to you. You need to make sure that's coordinated. Once again, to coordinate that between multiple advisors is extremely difficult. What about estate taxes? And what if the estate tax laws change? Who's calculating your estate tax and how do they know? If you have multiple accounts at multiple places, how do we know who's going to calculate the estate tax? 
who's coordinating communication with the estate planning attorney to update these things. So typically for us, we'll reach out to the estate planning attorney once a year and say, hey, has anything changed? Or we'll just shoot them an email. Minimally, we'll bring it up in a review meeting to make sure that's covered. And then the last thing, Marshall, people are missing is who's meeting with the beneficiaries. So if you have two financial advisors, who are you having meet with your adult children or even your minor children if you want them to meet with that advisor? Is it advisor number one? Is it advisor number two? Is it no advisor? I don't want advisors meeting with my kids. (laughs) Whatever it is, it's just if you have more than one, it's going to be extremely difficult again to coordinate this stuff. Okay. I'll leave it there. I could go on estate planning again for hours, but we'll stop and then uh, jump into custom goals, which is uh, the sixth point and our catch-all, right? Yeah. I love a good catch-all, but (laughs) yeah, I mean, that custom goal, really, that can mean really anything. And that's the exciting thing about this stuff. But with that talking about two different advisors, it's like part of that's always going to be education planning, whether there is no education planning or, you know what I'm saying? Or if we're going to be contributing five to plans, whatever it might be, we need to know what we're doing there because one advisor might be in a different state. They might not really be too familiar with the perfect 529 plan for what your situation is. Again, might not be the wrong thing, but we want it to be consistent. Yep. Most of the time we see budgeting kind of fall under this too. It's very, very important for everyone's financial plan budgeting because knowing what kind of cash flows we have coming in, then we can really go off and do everything else. So if someone sees part of it, that's a huge issue. You know what I'm saying? I mean, with that, it's like everything has to be together. Well, let me say this, Marshall. If you're talking about budgeting and cash flow, the first thing I think of with more than one advisor, people don't do this with one advisor. Who wants to go right. do it with two or three? No, <laughs> but when it's, you're doing the cash flow analysis, let's stick to one person not, helping you out. Yep. Yeah, it's not the most exciting thing in the world, but some other, just some other examples coordinating with PNC insurance stuff, like who's recommending the umbrella policies and things like that, that we need to make sure that we have in place. I've seen some interesting things with people trying to move or buy a rental property or do this, or, you know, it's just all these things that need to be under one financial plan. It can't be, it can't be left out of either one. So either one advisor is working way too hard for no reason because they're just not getting the entire picture or, you know what I'm saying? It's just, it just gets so confusing. And Again, actually, let's be honest. I'm going to go along with the cash flow thing I just said. It, if you have more than one advisor, that means that typically you should be meeting with multiple advisors many times <laughs> per year. Again, I think in many cases, people are going to laugh at this. It's tough to get people to commit to twice a year to talk to an advisor. Do you really want to meet with two or three advisors two or three times per year? Probably not. What I would say there, Marshall, do you have anything else to add? Or are we good? We're good on that. I think I'm good on that one. Yeah. yeah. There's plenty of material in here and uh, I don't want to keep beating this to death, but my summary of this episode is throughout each of the six points, I could give five to 10 examples of why it makes sense to have one financial advisor. Pick one and pick the one that will do the things that we have talked about in this episode that Marshall and I have gone through and one that communicates with you the way that you want to be communicated with. It could be through podcasts. It could be video. It could be emails. My advisor checks in with me on a systematic basis. They're proactive. They're not reactive. All the things somebody would be looking for in an advisor. Before we go, I want to give one example of why I think it may make sense to have more than one advisor. And I can only think of one reason. I'm sure there are more, and I'm sure I'll hear this from our other advisor friends that listen to this. And I know, Marshall, you agree. We've talked about this before. The only reason I personally would have more than one advisor is if I had an advisor that I loved that may be getting up there in age and they have no plan in place for their succession. If I have a, I'm 40, I'll be 42 years old. If I have an advisor that's 65 years old that I love, 
and they have no plan in place for when they retire, they're probably going to retire before I get to the age of my own retirement. Right? It would make some sense. And they don't have a plan in place to have an advisor at their firm talk to me. I'd probably seek out my own advisor at that point. So if I'm going to be around longer than that advisor, I'm going to go look for a second advisor. Other than that, I could not think of a reason that it made sense to, or it makes sense to have more than one advisor based on all the things that we talked about. Okay. And then most of all, it's got to be somebody that you enjoy meeting with and somebody you trust. Marshall, hey, thanks for the time again. I'm sure we'll have you back on several more times and we'll leave it there, folks. Make it a great day. Thank you for listening to the Dear Rochester Retire Well podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Six Point Financial Partners. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Content here is for illustrative and educational purposes only. It is not legal, tax, or individualized financial advice, nor is it a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold any specific security or engage in any specific trading strategy. Results will vary. Past performance is no indication of future results or success. Market conditions change continuously. This commentary reflects the personal opinions, viewpoints, and analysis of Six Point Financial Partners. It does not necessarily represent those of RFG Advisory, Private Client Services, their clients, or their employees. This commentary should not be regarded as a description of advisory services provided by Six Point Financial Partners or RFG Advisory or performance returns of any client. The views reflected in the commentary are subject to change at any time without notice. Securities offered by registered representatives of private client services, member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered by investment advisory representatives of RFG Advisory, a registered investment advisor. Private client services, Six Point Financial Partners, and RFG Advisory are unaffiliated entities. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where RFG Advisory and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advisory services may be rendered by RFG Advisory unless a client agreement is in place.